Stories, fables, ghostly tales. A man without a body, they said. A spectre, perhaps. Or rather, a scientist. Or is it all in the mind of the villagers of Owlsbridge? At first curious, but now furious, and have set out to murder the man without a body. And when a man transfers his life with another, the consequences are quite dire. He used the Palmer method, and it was quite effective as well. Too effective in this case, where our protagonists, well, I won't ruin it for you. Welcome, listeners, to two jam-packed, remastered episodes of Suspense. I handpicked these two for your lovely ears, The Man Without a Body and The Palmer Method. The first story starts off relatively quickly and ends sharply, with mystery, intrigue, and of course, suspense, whilst The Palmer Method takes a teeny bit to get the ball rolling, but I assure you, the payoff is well worth the wait. This episode is sponsored by Roma Wine, which I have taken great care in ensuring you listeners at home hear it. Every time I hear Roma Wine in this episode, I crack up. And no, this isn't an actual sponsor. It's the sponsor of Suspense Radio. (laughs) I keep this podcast ad-free. Anyway, let's start the suspense. A lonely beach of low white sand hills edged by the surf of the North Sea. And back from the beach, drowsing as it has drowsed for ten centuries, lies the village of Aldbridge in Suffolk. There is the seawall now defaced by air raid shells. And there are the rolling grain fields, the thatched white cottages, the spire of St. Luke's Church above the oak trees. Ancient and bell-haunted, lost among hedgerows, this village could never cause consternation in London newspaper offices. And yet, on that warm night nearly four years ago... This time it's really happened. A man without a body, completely invisible. Copy, boys. Copy, boys. Look at this dispatch. Reign of terror in Suffolk Village. Has another of H.G. Wells' romances come true? An invisible man? I can't believe it. Uh, what's the matter with that village? They all gone stuffy? Mr. George Wellman, builder, states that as he was returning home along the main road from Bellis St. Edmunds... He distinctly saw a man's hat without any head under it, moving towards him about six feet above the ground. Oh, George must have been full of beer. We can't use this story. Cut it, boys! Even more surprising evidence was given by the Reverend Arthur Morley, vicar of Duke's Church. Who? The parson? You don't think he was full of beer? One question above all agitates the village. Who is Professor Ansmith? Who is this elderly American, said to be an inventor, who has settled at Aldridge and leased a part of the house belonging to the local doctor? Out of some terrifying workshop, to strike like a maniac, where least expected... Has there at last emerged a real invisible man? The Church of St. Luke, Aldridge. On that same Sunday evening. Evening service is over now, though an echo bell still lingers. In the vestry at the rear of the church, where white surfaces hang like ghosts, the Reverend Arthur Morley sits with his daughter Janice. It is a stone room of painted windows, now many-colored in the sunset. 
And here is the drowsy summer light turns to dust. Janice, I don't believe it. I know, Father. I saw it with my own eyes, yet I don't believe it. You don't think we were dreaming, do you? No, Father. We weren't dreaming. If this goes on, the whole village will be in a frenzy. But what can I do? We could go to Professor Anthony's and ask him straight out. Ask him whether he's responsible for these... Yes. I wonder, Janice. The man isn't hurting anybody, you know. You couldn't ask for a quieter person or a better neighbor. And yet... But that... Father, you are upset. It's only Mr. Emmett coming down from the belfry. Emmett? Oh, yes, of course. Is that you, Mr. Emmett? Uh, it's really all right, sir. And very much in the flesh. Did, did you think I was the invisible man? Mr. Emmett, I forbid you to mention that subject. Uh, very good, sir. But there's others begging your pardon that do mention it. Yes, yes, forgive me. I spoke too sharply. Oh, that's all right, sir. No arm done, no bones broken. Mind you, not that I hold with this talk about invisible men. It ain't natural, I say. It ain't hardly Christian. I'm a greengrocer by trade, and I believe in what I can weigh and feel and... What's the matter, Mr. Emmett? Is anything wrong? You see anybody in this room except that? No, of course not. Why? Because I, I could have sworn something brushed past me just now. You're imagining things, Mr. Emmett. Yes, sir, I dare say. There's but, nobody uh, hidden in the belfry tower, I hope. No, sir. I had a look-see. And what's more, there's not going to be anybody up there once I've locked the door. Now, let that blighter try and get in. Oh, please, Mr. Emmett. And you too, Father. Stop talking about this invisible man as though, as though he actually existed. There's something funny going on, Miss. You can't deny that. No, none of us can deny it. And what's more, sir, it's getting pretty dark in here. Hadn't you and Miss Janet better get along to the vicarage while I lock up? No, we can't go just yet, Mr. Emmett. We're expecting Dr. Norwood. Dr. Jim Norwood, sir? What does he say about all this? Well, you might ask him yourself, Mr. Emmett. I think that's probably him now. Come in. The vestry door's not locked. Oh, hello, Padre. Hello, Janet. Sorry I'm late. Hello, Jim. You seem a good deal out of breath. I am out of breath, Janice. There's as blue blazes to pay down in the village. Not more trouble. Yes, I'm afraid so. They're holding a mass meeting at the Coach and Horses, and they're ready to murder Professor Ansmith. If this invisible man cuts any more capers, we may see a real old-fashioned lynching in an English village. Now, look here, my boy. This has got to stop. I know that, Padre, but how are we going to stop it? Sit down there, Jim, across the table for me. Yes, sir. First of all, what do you know about this Professor Ansmith? Nothing, sir. Nothing at all. But you've been part of your house, eh? Oh, my dear Padre, that house is twice as big as I can possibly manage. I was only too glad to get a tenant. He gave you references, I imagine? Yes, but I didn't bother to check them. He's a quiet old boy. Pays his rent on the dot. Never does anything except read and go for long walks. Are you quite sure of that, Jim? Her village has war nerves, that's all. With a camouflaged aerodrome in the neighborhood, they're apt to imagine anything. True, perhaps, but... That talk about dynamos humming in the old boy's room and blue lights flashing is rubbish out of a sensational film. They imagine the whole thing. Finally, this crazy story about an invisible man playing the gramophone. Why, it's that's... It's not a crazy story, Jim. Janice and I saw it happen. You what? Last night, about half past nine, Janice and I were out for a walk in the lane that runs past your house. On the way, we met Willie Kendrick, and he joined us. Well, sir? Listen, Jim. On that side of the house is a little square room with two windows and no furniture except a round table and a couple of chairs. Do you know the one we mean? Yes, of course. Professor Ansmith uses it. What about the room? It wasn't quite blackout time. 
The windows were up. The curtains weren't drawn. And the room was brightly lighted. On the table stood an old-fashioned gramophone with a horn and a crank handle. Beside it lay a pair of white cotton gloves, like, like gardener's gloves. Gramophone was playing away for dear life, but there was nobody in the room. Janice thought that was a bit odd, a gramophone going full tilt with nobody there. He called my attention to it. Just then, the gramophone started to run down. He could hear the record slow and go off key. As it did so... Well, sir, go on. As it did so, those white gloves got up off the table. Got up off the table? Got up off the table, took hold of the gramophone, and wound it up again. <laughs> Mr. Ellis, what on earth are you doing? Uh, I dropped some candlesticks. So I see. Please pick them up again. Yes. Padre, are you serious? Perfectly serious. A pair of gloves without any hands inside them? Yes. But what did they do exactly? The left-hand glove steadied the gramophone. The right-hand glove wound it up. Then they both hung in the air, beating time to the music. It should have been funny. I can only assure you it was not funny. So what happened then? Oh, Jim, it was horrible. Willie Kendrick let out a yell and ran down the lane between the apple trees as though the devil were after him. Well, I can't say I blame him. Oh, then I just stood there and... and... Dead is the word, my dear. Yes, dead. I can't forget any of it. The three-legged table and the whirling record and the blue flowers on the wallpaper. But there was nobody there. You could see past the table and under the table and all over the room. And there was nobody there. Except the man without anybody. Confound the man without anybody. Father... Suppose it is true. As a clergyman, my dear, I prefer to remain agnostic. This thing is a trick. Yes, but how is it done, and why? That's the whole point, Jim. What worries me is the effect on our people here. We call ourselves intelligent, and yet, look at us. Even Mr. Emmett there. Hey, hey, what's that about me, sir? A few minutes ago, you saw something brush past you when you were coming down the stairs from the bell tower. Oh, didn't you? Yes, yes sir. You see what I mean, Jim? But I didn't really think so, sir. Not really. It was imagination, just like the doctor said. Could I search that tower? I locked the door after it. Exactly. But the mere force of suggestion, nothing more, might lead you to believe. That's not suggestion, Father. Why, below, there's nobody in that belfry. Bells can't ring by themselves, old man. There's somebody pulling the rope up there, and we're going to find out who it is. Now, one moment, all of you. Well, what's wrong, Padre? You're as white as a ghost. This blasphemous mockery, it seems, extends even to the church. Very well. You will stay with Janice, my boy. Emmett and I will collar this invisible man. Now, why can't I go, too? I don't believe in this, but I should prefer to have someone with Janice. You're not afraid, Mr. Emmett? If, if it's alive, sir, I'm not afraid of it. And if it's dead, well, well, you're not afraid of it. The tower door's open, sir. I'm ready. Don't do it, Father. Don't go. You can't help me, Janice. Sit down here. Take it easy. Jim Norwood, what's wrong with you? Wrong with me? You've got an odd look, too. And the light's fading. And the surplices look like ghosts. And in another minute, that bell would drive me mad. Suppose he has got him. Oh. The invisible man. Oh, well, don't talk rot. As there are sounds that the ear cannot hear, so there are colors that the eye cannot see. I read that somewhere. 
hasn't hurt anybody yet. But suppose he turns nasty and does hurt somebody. He can't hurt anybody. How do you know? Janice, listen to me. Take my hand. Oh, but Jim... I want to tell you a few things you won't understand. I don't ask you to understand. I just ask you to remember. Well, what is it? The first is a question. If you were a government official and wanted to find an expert on camouflage, where would you go? An expert on camouflage? Yes. And the second point is this. I studied medicine in Germany. Oh, I know, Dad, but that's One not... night on a bet, I hid backstage at the Winter Garden Theater in Berlin. I saw the whole show from backstage and... And I learned a great deal. Jim Norwood, what on earth are you talking George about? George Wellman and I have talked the whole thing over. In a way, Janice, there is an invisible man. I can tell you who he is and how he works. But there's no danger, do you understand? There's no danger at all. If... Jim, what was that? I don't know. You do know. I can see it in your face. You do know. I think somebody's fallen. Fallen? the top of the belfry. Oh, Stay here, Janice. You can't do any good. Let go of my arm. I'm going out there. Oh, you're not. I didn't think what the danger might be. Besides, there's somebody coming down the stairs now. Stay just where you are and don't move until... Oh, Father. Father, are you all right? Steady, sir. Take it easy now. I'm perfectly all right, yes. But you'd better go into the churchyard and see to him, Eddie. He fell? No, Janice. He did not fall. He was thrown. Oh. Thrown? By whom? There's no time to argue now. You're a doctor. Go out and see to him. Well, is he... In... I don't know. Go. Yes, sir. For I will work a deed in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Janice, this is incredible. Why? You heard the bell ring. I saw it ring. Without anybody there? I was as close to that bell as I am to you now. No hand held the rope. There were no strings or wires or any tricks to make it move. It had clanged back and forth alone in the tower. I thought I heard someone laugh. Laugh? Oh, don't take that too seriously. We were both overwrought, and the noise of the bell was deafening. What about Mr. Emmett? Emmett yelled some words I couldn't hear and lunged for the bell. Then something caught him. Something caught him and gave him a sledgehammer blow in the back. That bell is nothing but open arches. You heard him scream. I saw his face just before he went over. Lock the door to the car, Father. Lock it. I can't lock it. Emmett has the key. But why should I lock it? Because he's still in there. He? He hadn't done any harm before, but he's done harm now. There's no telling what might happen if he gets loose. You mean? I mean Professor Anthony's protege, whoever he is. The man without a body. Under the red sunset, some quarter of a mile away, a grass-carpeted lane winds between rows of apple trees. The lane is dusty. No lights shine into it from the windows of a large stone house. Dr. Norwood's house beyond the apple tree. Up and down. Up and down a shadowy figure is pacing. An elderly figure. Dejected figure. Tall and frail as a shadow among shadows. Muttering to itself. Shaking its head. Now and then raising one fist in bewilderment or anguish. Sometimes the light gleams on large spectacles and a kindly mouth. Up and down. Endlessly up and down stride Professor Anthony. I'm not guilty. Not guilty. How can I convince them that I'm not guilty? Who's there? I saw you dodge behind that tree. Stand out, sir. Did you call me, Professor Anthony? Yes, I did call you. Who are you? You probably won't recognize me. 
Nevertheless, my friend, may I ask what your name is? Uh, my name is Wellman, Professor. George Wellman. Wellman, Wellman. I've heard that name. Maybe you have. I'm a builder by trade and a great friend of Dr. Norwood. Wait one moment. Aren't you the young man whose firm is putting up these air raid shelters along the seawall? And making such an unholy din with your riveting machines? That's me. And come to think of it, aren't you the one who first started this alarm about an invisible man? Yes, because I met him. You did not meet him, sir. This whole thesis is scientific nonsense. And I won't have it. You won't have what? I'm an old man, Mr. Wellman. I never did anybody the least harm. As God is my judge, I know nothing whatever about this, this... What's that? It looks like the biggest car, Professor. You'd better stand back. This is a pretty narrow lane. Answer Professor Antwerp. Yes, Mr. Morley, I hear you. We thought you'd better drive over here straight away. I, I think you've met my daughter. And of course you know Dr. Norwood. Yes, but there's no time for any social formalities. Get into your house, Professor Antwerp. Get in quickly and close the shutters. But why should I do that? Because there's a mob coming, sir, and we can't stop them. Hurry, do hurry. A mob coming here? Why? Haven't you heard the news? I've heard nothing, my friend. The only person I've seen has been... That young man there who chews a toothpick and hides behind the trees. George Wellman? What the earth are you doing here? Watching, Janice. Watching and waiting, just as usual. Listen to me, Professor Ansmith. Henry Emmett, the head virgin from Luke's, was thrown from the belfry window not 20 minutes ago. Not by me, sir, I assure you. I had nothing to do with no, it. No, not by you, but apparently... By the invisible man. Oh, Father in heaven, will this never stop? Not till we catch the fellow. No. Be quiet, Mr. Bowman, please. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Padre. I take it back. I myself can testify that no visible person laid hands on Emmett. He was struck, struck as though with a gigantic fist. Uh, What's the matter, Professor Ansmith? Is anything wrong? No, 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 no. I, I, I was just thinking. Is Emmett dead? Fortunately, no. I'm glad of that, my friend, for a certain person's sake. He's not even seriously hurt. The bell tower isn't high and a tree broke the force of his fall. But he's badly shaken up, and that crowd of the coach and horses means trouble. If you haven't anything to say to us, if you haven't a word of explanation to utter... Listen, Padre, don't you hear anything? Yes, I thought I heard voices. Can't be that crowd from the village. We're too far ahead of them. It's a crowd, all right. And they've been here for hours. But where? I don't see anybody. Jim, look. Behind the trees. Look behind the trees. Look be beyond the hedgerows. Look for any place where a watcher can hide. And may I ask what they're doing here? They're watching you, Professor Ansmith. More of your spies, you mean? You can call them anything you please. They're getting impatient and they want to show down. By as much as hold my hand up like this. <laughs> Don't throw stones at the windows, you fool! You're only breaking the doctor's window! Gentlemen, I can't have any more of this. Be quiet, all of you, and listen to me. Well, sir, we're listening. I'm a peaceful man. I like to live in peace with my neighbors. I have nothing to do with this so-called reign of terror. But you don't believe that, do you? No. 
then I must expose a fraud. Now, don't blame me if I expose the trickster, too. I have made preparations to show you the invisible man. The man without a body. Quiet, everybody. Mr. Morley, I believe you and your daughter walked through this lane last night uh, while I was away at the Ferry St. Edmunds. I don't know about your being away, sir. My daughter and I were certainly here, yes. Good, good. Miss Janice Morley. Yes, Professor Anthony. Will you look towards your right, please, at the house? What do you see? It's the same room. What room? The room with the little round table and the gramophone. It's a three-legged table, you notice. Yes, of course. But there's nobody in the room. No, nobody at all. Are conditions exactly as they were last night? Yes, except there aren't any gloves on the table. No, but the invisible man is there. Oh. A living presence, ready to act and breathe and even kill. With your permission, I shall now address him. Hello in there. Hello in there. Hello in there. If anybody answers him, Father, I'm going to scream. Quiet, Jenny. Father, look. The gloves are appearing on the table. I call out to him and I speak as follows. Hold the phonograph with your left glove. That's it. Turn the handle with your right. One turn, two, three, four. That's enough. Touch the string with your left hand. Push the record. Lower the needle with your right and... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... The Invisible Man. Hold, hold him off! Hold, you fools! On the contrary, let them throw all they like. Aim at the table, my friend. Aim at the table. Why at the table? Because then they'll see the trick. I don't follow you. What trick? The trick of the looking glasses. There. You see now, my friend? I think I do. The legs of the table form a triangle with its point toward you. Panels of looking glass are fitted in the two sides facing you. What do you know about that? You think you can see under the table, but what you actually see are the side walls of a room reflected in those two mirrors. Oh, wait a minute. You mean... I mean that my old servant, hidden behind the mirrors, has just been working the gloves to a panel in the tabletop. It's a very old trick, first shown by Colonel Stadare at the London Polytechnic. And that's what happened last night? Yes. And you had nothing to do with it? Nothing whatever, nor had my servant. Then who did do it and why? What is the explanation of all this? Well, I can't tell you why. That's what beats me. But I can tell you everything else. This invisible man who's been scaring us all silly? My dear young lady, there's no invisible man. There never has been. I might believe that, Professor Anson, if I hadn't seen a church bell ringing where there was no hand to ring it. And poor old Emmett flung out of the tower as though a giant hand had got hold of him. You're not saying that was done with the looking glasses? No, my friend, not at all. That was really clever. Strings, wires, ropes? No, they weren't necessary. But the thing's impossible. Oh, no. The same principle was used by my old friend J.N. Maskelyne 
to make mechanical figures work. Psycho played whist, and Zoe drew pictures. I myself, I... Go on, sir. You yourself, what are you going to say? Uh, the secret I was about to say remains unknown even today. You were right, in a way, when you tell us that Emmett acted as though a giant had got hold of him. A giant had got hold of him. At least, a gigantic force. Oh, before we all go completely mad, would you mind telling us what this gigantic force was? Not at all. It was compressed air. Compressed air? Well, don't you see it even yet, any of you? No. A compressed air pipe with a thousand pounds pressure behind it was run up into the tower facing the bell. It could be operated from the ground outside. The pressure was turned on and off in bursts. It made that heavy bell swing like a toy. Emmett, don't you remember? Emmett rushed forwards towards the bell. And the air pressure? The air pressure struck him like a sledgehammer and flung him headlong out of the tower. There's your miracle, gentlemen. That's all there was to it. Sir, I can't doubt what you say. It's too circumstantial and too right. But but what, my friend? The compressed air tank. The mechanical apparatus to work this trick. Well, what about it? Where did it come from? Such things don't grow on bushes. No. But they do grow on riveting machines. Riveting machines? Yes. Such as the riveting machine they're using on the air raid shelters along the seawall. Would you care to tell us, Dr. James Norwood... Why you and your friend Wellman have been playing all these tricks? All of you. Jim Norwood, is this true? Why, of course it's true, Mr. Morley. Don't be so gullible. Jim and George Wellman doing all this? I don't believe it. Take a look at their faces, young lady. Did you ever see a guiltier-looking pair? Do we look guilty, do we? Frankly, you do. We played the whole game and convinced the village there was an invisible man. Is that it? Yes. You worked the glove trick in your own house. And Wellman worked the air trick with his own equipment. Everything else was nothing but a pack of lies and a lot of atmosphere. Playing conjurers and making a blasted hash of it. Is that all, Professor Ansmith? Well, remember, you brought this on yourselves. I didn't want to expose you. No, Professor. I bet you didn't. Easy, George. Take it easy. Jim, is this true? Before you start pitching into me, Janice, let me have my word first. You remember what I said to you at the church tonight? At the church? Yes, I asked you to remember something, even if you didn't understand it. All right. Can you remember what it was? Oh, Jim, please. You're only trying to evade this. Oh, I, I'm so confused now, I don't remember anything. All I can think of is this horrible business and what's behind it. Father can't believe his ears, and I'm not much better. We've practically idolized you. All we want you to do is answer a straight question. Jim, are these accusations true? Yes, they are true. Doubtless he had a good reason, Janet. Doubtless he had a good reason. Yes, we had a good reason. The very best reason in the world. You had a good reason for scaring people half to death? And trying to kill poor old Henry Emmett? We didn't mean any harm against Emmett. That was an accident. But you dare to defend yourself now? Yes, just that. Before we go home, Father, shall we apologize to Professor Ansmith? I hope he'll try to think better of English hospitality. Good, Janice, good. 
I hope he will, too. You hope he will. Listen, Janet, before you act on any belief, you have to be absolutely sure in your own mind. George and I had to prove something. And now I'm glad to say we have proved it. Oh, I can't stand this any longer. If you have anything to say, go on and say it straight out. What was it you had to prove? We had to prove to our own satisfaction that this pretended American who calls himself Professor Ansmith... Pretended American? Who calls himself Professor Ansmith? We had to prove that this pretended American was no other than Karl Heinrich von Keist, the celebrated stage magician from the Winter Garden Theater in Berlin. What? Whose real job is to find the camouflage aerodrome near Berry St. Edmunds. No. He explained his own tricks very nicely, George. We'll swear out a warrant in the morning. And so closes The Man Without a Body, starring John Sutton and George Zuko. And did you enjoy it? <laughs> I'm going to have to work on that accent, goodness. And now, on to the Palmer Method. Enjoy. Oh, and before I forget, have you purchased your own set of Roma wine? Why not? Get to it. Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you a star, Mr. Ed Gardner, better known to you perhaps as Archie. We again hope to keep you in Suspense. Dear friend Harry, I'm sitting here the last ten minutes knocking myself out laughing and wishing for somebody to tell it to. And then I get to thinking of you, so I'm uh, hereby going to write you the whole story. Harry, you got to admit that yours truly is one smart guy, because in about an hour, they're going to bring me so much dough, they got to bring it in a suitcase. No kidding. Of course, it's this Spanish moolah, but uh, even in the United States, it comes to about ten grand. But I think I better start from the beginning so that you can get the whole play. And if you don't say that your old pal is one smart guy, I am a monkey's uncle, which I'm strictly not. Anyways, it all begins about four months ago in New York when I'm on a lamb and I'm expecting that heavy hand to fall on my shoulders any minute. I'm trying to think of something to do about it. It happens that I'm down to about three bucks, which makes thinking a very tough proposition, even for a bright guy like me. Well, anyways, uh, things being what they are, I naturally only go out at night, so... One night, I'm walking through the park in Union Square, but I'm still thinking I'm getting very far. Good evening, Election Extra here. FBI Berlin, my land is swamped in 46 states. Election Extra. Uh, paper, mister? Huh? Want a paper? Latest election returns. Uh, what election? Are you kidding? The election for president, Roosevelt and Landon. Here, get a paper and wise up. For a punk kid like you, I should get all excited every time they have an election? Well, it wouldn't strain your mind, none. They only happen once every four years. Ah, don't be such a wise kid. You want a paper or don't you? Ah, sure. Give me one. Here, keep the change. Oh, gee, thanks. And leave that be a lesson to you, not to get wise with guys that might do you some good someday. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Now, what am I going to do with this thing? To help the heroic Spanish people in their fight against fascism. If the fascism of Hitler and Mussolini is allowed to triumph in Spain, it'll overrun all Europe. And once democracy is crushed in Europe, it won't be long before hey, democracy is crushed here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, what's that guy all wound up about? 
He's asking for volunteers for the Spanish Loyalist Army. Oh. Uh, oh, they find What's the matter? Don't you read the paper? They're fighting a fascist revolt. Listen, I got a paper here. You'd think I'm illiterate. I just get kind of mixed up sometimes. Yeah, they put out a lot of propaganda to confuse you. But with Hitler and Mussolini on Franco's side, anybody can see what the score is now. Oh, sure. Anybody. Look at that. Fascist bomb Madrid. I just wish sometimes I didn't have a wife and kids. I'd go over there and give you a couple of licks at those guys. Over to Spain, huh? Yeah. They send you over there, buy your ticket and all like that? Sure, they pay for your transportation. They raise quite a lot of money for that. Hmm. You, uh, you don't know where you sign up for this army, do you? Well, you sign you up right there. Hey, do you want to go? Hmm. Could be. Yeah, why not? Why not? You get the play, Harry? Not so dumb, huh? I not only lay him out of the country till I cool off, but I get a free ticket. It's what I always say, Harry. A guy with real brains can always get by. Of course, I know strictly from nothing about this war, but I naturally figure it's one of them tango revolutions like you see in the movies with a couple of guys riding around shooting off their rods at nothing in particular, and pretty soon everybody goes home. But sometimes I wish I had read the front part of the papers a little more at that, because when I get off the boat at Spain at a burg by the name of Barcelona, I find out this ain't such a funny war after all. This fascist mob is really not going to join around. There's shooting going on, they're dropping bombs from airplanes, and the next thing you know, they got me in a uniform. So I'm standing there at the railroad station with a bunch of other guys, a whole mob of us. It looked like the $2 one at Belmont. Seems we're going away somewhere on a train. Next. Step up here, please. Next. Your name, please? Uh, Padway. George Padway. Your number 336. Car 7, compartment 3. Next, please. Uh, Palmer. Joe Palmer. How did you spell it, please? P-A-L-M-E-R. Like the Palmer method. Oh, yes. Palmer. You are 337, please. Car 7, compartment 3. With... Padway. Oh. Next, step up, please. Hey, uh, you, uh, Padway. Someone calling me? Yeah, uh, look, my name is Joe Palmer. We're supposed to ride in the same compartment or something? Oh, splendid. Uh, car 7. It's down this way, I imagine. Oh, I'm glad you know I can't make head or tail out of these dinky rattlers. Oh, of course, you're, uh, you're American, aren't you? What else? Here, let me give you a hand with your gear. Oh. Thanks. Hey, uh... These guys take this war pretty serious, don't they? Well, rather. What did you expect? Yeah, yeah. From what I see around this Barcelona, it looks to me like if they ain't careful, somebody's apt to liable to get killed. Well, if you think this is bad, what about Madrid? They're dying up there by the thousand. Yeah. What? what? Ma- Madrid? Ain't that where this train is going? Well, of course. They're sending us up to keep them out of University City if we can. And, and you say they're getting knocked off by the thousands? I'm afraid so. Hmm. That ain't good. Not uh, worried, are you, old man? Oh, No. No, I, I, I was just thinking that, you, you know, that... Uh... Please, senores, papers, please. Uh, bueno, pathway 336. Uh, no, no, and I'm... you are Palmer, 337. No, 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 I'm... Hold in order. Wait a minute, you got us mixed. Well, how do you like that? <laughs> Seem to have us mixed, what? Yeah. Uh, that would be funny, wouldn't it, if they got us mixed up? You, Padway, and me, Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be funny, all right. That would be very funny. At the next-
next table we see a farewell party given for an American visitor. The American is wondering how he'll be able to repay in his own country the hospitality shown him in Cuba. Reassuringly, his Cuban host remarks, Es muy fácil, amigo. Just be sure to serve wonderful Roma wine. It is wine imported by us from your own country. Roma wine. Indeed, Americans can well be proud that judges of fine wines in so many lands now acclaim the wines of California among the world's most enjoyable of all time. Of these truly superb wines, Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. If you aren't already one of the millions enjoying Roma wines regularly, as a delicious beverage any time, to add sparkle to any meal, to smarten your entertaining, make your own taste test to choose your favorite, choosing from Roma wines many different wine types. When you learn their modest cost here in America, with no import duty to pay, no expensive shipping charges to absorb, you'll know why we say Roma wines are for your daily enjoyment. I'll spell out the name for you. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now let us return to Joe Palmer as he sits in a hotel room in Spain writing a letter. Well, Harry, there I was. On a train heading straight for Madrid where they're knocking off guys every five minutes, which is naturally a little upsetting to a sensitive person like myself. Anyways, I get to thinking about this Padway guy I'm riding with, and I can see there's something different about him. Different from the rest of these guys, so I get to thinking about a plan. I say, what in the world are you doing there? You've been working away at it the last half an hour. Me? I'm just practicing. Practicing what? The Palmer Method. What in heaven's name is the Palmer Method? You never heard of the Palmer Method? Huh. Penmanship. The way they learn you to write when you were a kid. Some guy named Palmer invented it. See? You make these ovals and lines. Pretty soon it learns you how to use your whole arm. See? Makes you write very pretty. Well, aren't you a little old for that sort of thing? Well, it depends on how you look at it. With me, it's a business. Oh, you're a, an instructor in penmanship? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. An instructor in penmanship. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> Look, when I'm a punk kid in PS4, the only subject I can pass is penmanship. See, I'm a, I'm a wizard. There's Palmer Method. So, naturally, me name being Palmer and all, it, it kind of makes it a standing joke, you know? The kids at all holler, Joe Palmer, he flunks in everything but right. That's the Palmer method. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's how it started. But now I still like to keep in practice, because, well, like I say, by this time, with me, it's a business. Yes, but I, I still don't quite see how it can be much of a business. You ask a lot of questions, don't you? Oh, I'm terribly sorry, old man. I don't mean to pry, you know. Oh, it's okay. What about you? Me? Yeah. How about me asking you a couple of questions? Why, of course. Anything you like. You're English, eh? That's right. Yeah, you can tell that right away. Really? Hmm. You can also tell that you're not exactly a stumble bum. I bet your old man is in the chips, huh? You mean wealthy? Matter of fact, he is, rather. Maybe even a lord or something? No, nothing like that. You know, lesser nobility. Hmm. I thought so. Big shot, huh? You ever been to this Madrid before? No, never have. You know anybody there? Not a soul, as a matter of fact. Hmm. <laughs> At it again, I see. I say, you know, you never did tell me about that Palmer business. You mean how come it's a business with me? Mm-hmm. I write checks. Write checks? Yeah. With other people's names on them. I might add that I'm about the top man in the profession. Oh, 
You're a... Uh... Uh, I guess they call it the same thing in England, don't they? Forgery? Yeah, I told him. So what? He don't know nobody in this Madrid. And I figure he ain't gonna say much about me anyway, because I got me plans all laid out now. Although I still don't know quite how I'm gonna do it. But uh, then I get one of them breaks, Harry. Even a smart guy needs some time. By this time, it's night, and we're rattling along with the lights out, blacker than the inside of a nickel cigar, and I wait to see if maybe Padway will go to sleep or something. Next thing I know, I must have dozed off myself. You, uh, you dropped something, Palmer? Uh, no, I thought you did. Oh, well, oh, hello, we must be getting into Madrid. Oh, Madrid, huh? Sure enough, pulling into the station now. Oh, that's great, that's fine. Uh, I say, old boy, you look a bit peaked. Anything wrong? Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Hey, hey, what was that? A bomb, most likely. A bomb? That's it, all right. Bombing the city, I suppose. Hey, 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 they ain't gonna bomb us, are they? By Jove, I think they are. Well, well, what do we do, Padre? Well, what do we do now? We do. Keep down on the floor and hope for the best. Oh, the, the best better be awful good. This is a bit ironic, I must say. Uh, watch out for this one. to that train should happen to Sing Sing Prison. I look around, there's Padway out over by the door, out like a light. And I can see he ain't long for this world, poor guy. Me, I'm lucky. I don't have a scratch on me, so naturally, now is when I go to work. I go through his pockets and take out his papers. There's a passport, some letters, and a wallet with quite a bit of dough in it. And I take a couple of things I got out of my own pockets and I put them in his. Only just then, Padway starts coming out of it. Well, Harry, what would you do if you're me? Like I say, I'm opposed to violence as much as the next guy. But there he is, looking at me. And the guy ain't gonna live very long anyway, maybe. So, I grab me rifle and I, I tap him on the noggin. And sure enough, he's gone again. But for good this time. And not none too soon, because there's some guys coming to the rescue. One of the guys pokes his head in my door. Uh, come again? Joe Reichenstein? Uh, I guess so. Uh, uh, what happened? Don't you know? You're lucky to be alive. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but this, uh, this guy, uh, he wasn't so lucky. Huh? Oh. He's dead, all right. Did you know him? Yeah, I, I know him, but I, I forget what name he told me. I, he's got his papers on him, I guess. Oh, let me see here. Oh, yeah. Joseph... Aloysius Palmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. I remember now. Palmer, yeah, yeah. Poor fellow. Well, he died in a good cause. Yeah, yeah, you're right there, brother. He certainly died in a good cause. You get it, Harry? Joe Palmer, who's wanted by the New York cops, is dead. And George Padway, the big-shot Englishman, is me. So... I duck out quick to a hotel, and I get me a change of clothes, and I figure I'd better take a look through the rest of Padway's stuff to maybe get an angle. Well, I find this letter on him from some guy named E. Valenkos. The letter says Valenko looks forward to meeting Padway and names a time and a place. Now, 
anybody else, Harry. This letter might have threw for a loss, but not me. Because I know Valenkos has never seen Padway. The letter, letter practically says that, and uh, Padway has told me he don't know nobody in Madrid. You catch on? And I figure this Valenkos is probably just the guy to get me out of this army. So what do I do? I simply take me pen in hand and I write a letter. Nice and neat. In George Padway's handwriting. Dear Valenkos, I says, I will likewise look forward to meeting you at the time and place you say. Signed, George Padway. Well, the next night, I go out to keep the date. No fooling, Harry. This Madrid is really in tough shape since this fascist outfit has been given it to business. The people are all poor and hungry, especially the women and kids. So, naturally, I feel pretty sorry for them as I brush them off and walk into this night spot. Well, I take a corner table and I tell the waiter I'm expecting a Mr. Valenkos. Well, I'm sitting there practicing with me pen and pencil and uh, making lines and circles. And next thing you know, I, I ain't alone no more. Hello. Oh. Hello, Toots. What's cooking? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, just practicing. What is it? A secret code? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the Palmer code. I like it. It's pretty. Hmm. You ain't uh, so unpretty yourself, babe. Only, uh, I got a little business tonight. Oh, but aren't you going to ask me to have a drink? Uh, a drink, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, wait a minute. How about getting out of here and going someplace else for huh? <laughs> what about your business? Well, uh, for a babe like you around, I'm afraid the business will have to wait. Well, where shall we go? Uh, how about, uh, how about going up to my hotel room? You mean room 359? Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. How do you know? What is your name, senor? George Padway. So what? You are well known, senor. Well, certainly, but, uh... My name is Elena. Well, that's fine, Elena, but, uh, now... My about... last name is Villancos. Villancos? Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Oh, no. No, I do not think so, senor. So you're the Villancos I'm supposed to meet here. Well, in that case, Elena, just call me Joe. Uh, George. Of course, George. Now I think perhaps we had better go to that hotel room of yours after all, huh? I, uh, yeah, sure. Good idea. There is one thing I cannot wait to do. Yeah? What's that? Congratulate you. Well, thanks. What? Why, for that troop train job, of course. Oh, well, it was nothing, really. But there is still something I do not understand. What's that, baby? How did you manage to blow it up while you yourself were on it? Huh? Uh, well, uh... Uh, look, let, let's go up to the room. We'll, we'll talk the whole thing over. But, George, you still have not told me how you blew up the train and did not get killed yourself. Well, do I have to tell you everything? <laughs> Perhaps that is why you are so successful, huh? You have your little secrets? Hmm, trade secrets. You know, there's secrets in every trade. But, of course, I forget you got your training with the Gestapo in Berlin. They, uh, yeah, yeah, they they taught me a couple of things. Tell me, were you in contact with the firm of Group when you were in Berlin? Oh, I saw something of them, naturally. And what about Deutsches Farben Industries? A very fine firm. I guess there must be a lot of dough on our side, huh? Oh, but, of course... We have the money. The others, the scum. 
They have the rags on their packs and the few rifles they get from the Bolsheviks. I sure, yeah, but now about this money. Uh, yes. Well, Lord. you see, the fact is I'm, uh, I'm a little short myself. Well, we always have more work for you to do. Oh, sure, that I know, but uh, uh, first, don't you think that... Ah, so that is why you are so suspicious with me. You want first the money. Well, that's the usual way, ain't it? But, of course, I can arrange that. How much do you want? Well, uh, how much do you figure the job is worth? Well, perhaps as much as 50,000 pesetas. Mm, uh, How much is that in the United States? I mean, uh, in uh, pounds. About a thousand pounds? That... Hmm. No, I don't think I can do it for that kind of dough. A thousand pounds is a lot of money, George. Yeah, but think of the expenses. What expenses? Well, things like, uh, uh, well, uh, dynamite, for instance. You don't get that stuff for peanuts. Oh, oh, George, you are teasing me. I will get you all the dynamite you want for nothing. Well, besides that, uh, how about the, the element of personal risk? This racket ain't exactly the healthiest in the world, neither, you know. There you are right, George. It is a risky profession to be a fascist saboteur. That's what I'm telling you. How much do you want? Well, I don't see how I could play ball for less than 100,000 of them, uh, pesetas. Very well, we will pay it. Well, that's swell of you, Toots. Uh, how soon can I have the dough? I will have it here within an hour. Okay, it's a deal. And then uh, maybe you and me will still have time to go out a little bender, huh? <laughs> yes. Perhaps we will. And look, uh, make it small bills while you're there. Easier to handle. Oh, it's a lot of money, but uh, my friends and I, we will bring in the suitcase, huh? Well, that's well. Now, one thing more, Elena. Before this next job, uh, you might have to help me get out of the country for a little while. You know, I've got certain arrangements to make. There will be no trouble there. I can assure you. Well, that's a real pill, Elena, and I I won't forget it. I know you won't, George. Oh, I said there is one thing. Just a little formality, George, so I can be assured to get the money. Oh, certainly, babe. Anything you say. Would you write a little note for me so they will know I contacted you? A note? Uh, what does the note say? Oh, something like, I, Padre, have contacted Elena Villanco, so we are agreed on future procedure. Uh, yeah, why not? Why have I got the lows? Okay. Yeah. I have contacted Elena Villanco. <laughs> And we are agreed on future procedure. Sign, George Padway. Okay? Thank you, George. Well, uh, Elena, I think you better run along now. <laughs> then I will be back at 8 o'clock. Okay, that'll be okay. You will be waiting for me. Don't worry, baby. I'll be here. <laughs> Brother, will I be here? <laughs> So now, Harry, you can see why I'm practically killing myself laughing while I'm writing you this letter. Of course, while I'm writing that note in Padway's handwriting, I can hardly keep my face straight. It's so right up my alley. The only thing that worries me a little is my conscience, if you can pull what I got that on it. Kind of, it really makes me sort of way this fascist mob I'm hooked up with is kicking the rest of the people around. However, I'm up to the years now, too, and I gotta think about yours truly, first of all, right? But someday, maybe when I get in a clear, I... I figure, uh, I'd like to get a crack at these guys myself. On account of, believe me, Harry, them fascists is really a bunch of no-good crumbs. 
And I guess that'll have to go for Elena, too. But now the hour's about up, and I think I hear somebody coming down the hall now. So I'll tell you the payoff on all this when I see you in little old New York. In the meantime, Harry, keep your shirt on and try not to die from envy of your old friend, Joe Palmer. Okay, babe, I'm coming. Well, right on time, huh? Yes. Senor Padre, this is Senor Martinez, Senor Quintero. Oh, hi, Fonzie. Got the old suitcase, huh? Have any trouble getting a dough, babe? No, no trouble. Oh, uh, maybe we better open it and count it, huh? Uh, just in case. Yes, I think we should. Go on, open it. Yes, <laughs> You know, Elena, I never would have thought... Hey, wait a minute. What's that Tommy gun doing there? Where's the dough? What's the matter? Are you afraid, my fascist friend? Fascist? What about you, ain't you? Not quite. I am an agent of the Republic of Spain, Senor Padre. We have been waiting a long time to trap you, my friend. But now we bring you your reward. Elena, wait a minute. Tell that guy to put that gun away. You, you gotta let me explain. Look, I, I ain't no fascist. My name ain't even Padway. It ain't even Padway. It's Joe Palmer. I'm an American. I come over here to fight for your side. I'm telling you, Elena, you, you can find out with your friends in New York. I'm... I'm I'm the guy that even killed Padway. Who wrote the letter to me? Who wrote the note for me tonight in the handwriting that we even compared with our other correspondence with Padway, just to make sure? Well, I did, sure, but, but that's me racket. Handwriting, forgery. I'm telling you, I'm Joe Palmer. Can you prove it? Well, sure, I can... <laughs> Guess maybe I can't, huh? The handwriting. It's like I said to Padway. I'm the best in the business. Kind of funny now, ain't it? We are wasting time. Okay. Suppose there's no use of talking. I suppose I've been a heel and I outsmarted myself. But I was really kind of on a level in my own way towards the end. Of... Ah, what's the difference? Anyway, I want you to know for your own information that the guy you're bumping off is Joe Palmer of the International Brigade. Palmer. Like the Palmer... Come on, Martinez. <laughs> A smart agent. One must say that for him. Yes. He was very, very smart. So closes the Palmer Method, starring Ed Gardner. Tonight's tale of suspense. Before Mr. Gardner returns to our microphone, let me give you a suggestion you will find can add to the success of your next dinner party at home. At one end of the dining table, place a bottle of Roma Wines' hearty, full-bodied Burgundy. At the other table end, place a bottle of Roma Wines' delicately delicious Sauterne. And then, let each of your guests select the Roma Wine to his liking. You will know that whatever the individual choice of a guest, both of these Roma California wines will delight by their superb quality. The quality that has made Roma wines America's largest selling wines. In Roma, you have the old world art of winemaking, plus the extra care, constant tasting and testing, which modern knowledge adds. While the superb quality of these good Roma wines will win your full accord with the judgment of wine experts of many lands that... Roma wines are truly magnificent. Let me repeat the name. R-O-M-A. Roma wines. 
Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Well, this is Ed Gardner, alias Archie speaking. It's been a great pleasure to appear on Suspense, and kind of it's one of my favorite programs. This acting series, of course, is a new kind of a racket with me, especially pretending to be a heel, which I ain't. As anybody can tell you, excluding Duffy, of course, he'd be more than perturbed to tell you than me the other way. Well, anyways, uh, uh, next week I, I know you all want to be listening to Suspense when the star will be Gene Kelly. Right, thank you. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Don't forget then, next Monday for Gene Kelly in Suspense. So, both stories had intrigue, a degree of mystery, and a great payoff. I hope you enjoyed them both, but which one was your favorite? I gotta say, the Palmer Method is mine. I love the style, the attitude, the subtle twists from midway to the end, and the unexpected turnout of the protagonist's death. What are your thoughts? Let me know, I'd love to hear which one you enjoyed the most. The Man Without a Body, or The Palmer Method. And again, will you be buying a set of Roma wine? <laughs> Goodness, the amount of ads they cram into these episodes is always amazing. <laughs> And of course, I leave these in here for nostalgia reasons. Get a bit of a slice of what it was like back then. And on that, have a fantastic weekend, folks. And for those whose Friday is just starting, find a quiet place, pour yourself an old grey, and listen to some stories. I'll be there to speed up your day. And as always, till next time.